it's easier than ever to find a new job and do something different. It doesn't mean that it's easy for you in this circumstance at this moment, yes. but it's never been easier to find out what's available out there and go apply for a different job or see yes. what's possible for you. And so I think it's awareness is opening up that, but that said, it doesn't change the fact that a lot of people are still sitting around waiting for someone to bring something to them, whether that's cultural or it's just sort of like innate in them that they're like, well, I'm not, I'm afraid to kind of go after what I want because what if I get shut down or rejected or that doesn't exactly exist. And so I still think, I still see a huge opportunity in what I'm doing to speak to more people and, and teach and inspire more people to take ownership so that they start going after those things that they want. Hello and welcome to the Making Better podcast, where we talk about how to make ourselves, our teams, and our organizations better. Whether you are a leader, a learning development professional, a coach, or a technical trainer, this show will give you actionable insights of how to improve your own performance and the performance of those around you. Our guest today is the amazing Andy Storch. Andy is the author, speaker, facilitator, and connector on a mission to teach and inspire more people to own their careers and be more intentional with their life. He is the author of Own Your Career, Own Your Life, which is designed to help corporate professionals stop drifting and take control of their futures. In addition to his work in the career space, Andy is also the founder and host of the Talent Development Think Tank podcast, conference, and membership community, where he provides education and connections for ambitious talent development professionals. Most importantly, Andy is a husband, father, and friend who is on a mission to get the absolute most out of life and inspire others to do the same. I am so pleased to count Andy as a friend. We first met on LinkedIn about a year ago before finally connecting in person at ATD 2023 in San Diego. I've since become a member of his talent development think tank community, and I am so pleased to have him in my life and constantly get inspiration from not only what he has done, but the amazing energy he has about life. So I know you are gonna get a ton out of this discussion today. Before we dive into that discussion, I do want to remind you really quickly that if you've never listened to the show before, make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss a future episode. And if you are already subscribed, I would really appreciate it if you would share this show with just one other person, because that, after all, is how we grow. I can't tell you how much it means to me. So with that, let's get started. Andy, how are you doing today? Matt, I am doing fantastic, and I'm really excited to be here, honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, ab absolutely. You know, like like I said in the intro, I am always amazed at the energy that you bring to everything. Um, before, I, I know we we had some some talking points that we kind of wanted to go through, but I'd love to start there actually with just kind of where does this energy come from for you? Like you're just mm -hmm. so excited about. Uh, helping others, connecting others, kind of where, where does that come from for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a few places and, and, and one, I have to say, I think part of it is, is natural to me. I don't know, you know, how I developed this, this gift to want to just have so much energy for life and to, to bring to every situation. But part of it is also intentional as well. Uh, I realized I have this and there's sort of an opportunity where you realize a strength or, or a gift that you have but then you still need to find a way to harness that, to bring it into situations or the right situations. And I remember 
Uh, funny enough, uh, I kind of got into this game through a consulting and facilitation years and years ago. And uh, I worked for a company that was had a very like a big feedback culture. We'd give them feedback to each other all the time, which is like nice. uh, really hard when you're in it, you're in it, right? But then it's how we get yeah. better, and it's how I've become such a good speaker and facilitator. And once I was running a workshop, and I don't think I started it with very much energy, and someone gave me feedback and said like, "Hey, mm. you really need to start the workshop the, the day with more energy." And I remember writing on my notes, "Energy, really big on there." And sort of making this commitment that like from now on, I'm going to bring a lot of energy to everything I do, every interaction I have. Um, the other thing I'll say about that is that I realized that I have a lot of en energy inside me. And when I was younger, I would probably push that down or because I was shy and I was maybe afraid of what other people would think about me or say about me. And as I've gone through a very big sort of personal development transformation over the last few years, and I've really gotten to know myself and the value that I can bring to others in the world. Uh, I've sort of made a commitment to just completely be myself and not worry about what other people think. And that is nice. not easy to do. It's one of those things you listen to and you nod yes. and you're like, oh yeah, I'd like to do that too. I know a lot of people have a hard time with that. It's a long-term process that you go through to really truly get to know yourself, to commit to being yourself and not worrying about what other people think. But I can tell you it's so freeing when you get to that place where I can walk into a meeting with corporate clients and start dancing and not care what anybody thinks about it. And what I've learned <laughs> through that time, right, is that in doing that, I then become, you know, I, I sort of like show up with more confidence and become more attracted to more people, right? Because when you see people that are, uh, people like to say, quote, comfortable in their own skin, something like that, um, for lack of a better word, you kind of want to be around those people. And so I've learned that in going and bringing that energy and being myself, it makes me more attractive, um, you know, in many situations that people just say like, yeah, I want, I want more of that. And I'm, I'm attracted to people like that as well. So I just, I try to bring as much energy and enthusiasm to everything I do uh, because I think it's going to bring more value to the people that I'm with. Yeah, that that's great. I love that that kind of core memory that you had that really pushed this forward for you. Because you're right. I think yeah, so much of the world it's it's definitely truer in other societies. You know, you hear about uh, Australia's tall poppy syndrome, where nobody wants to stand out. You know, you look mm -hmm. at a field of poppies and the one that's sticking up, you cut it down so that it's all uniform. Um, yeah, there there definitely is a strong sense of that. I, I remember just recently there was this. Um, real estate investor that I follow on Instagram. And she was answering the question of why do I always wear such sparkly dresses to conferences? Because she goes to hmm. these real estate conferences and gives talks and it's always, she's always yeah. standing out. And, and she said, I, I think you would really agree with this. She said, you know, to her going to a conference is 20% about learning and 80% about connecting. And yeah. so if you want to connect, then you need to stand out. You need to yeah. look different, you know? And so it by, you know, obviously you don't want to look like a clown, but if you can find a way to in true service of yourself, you know, really amplify you, who you are, you're going to stand yeah. out in people's minds. Yeah. Let me just rip on that for a second, because I've gone to a lot of conferences. I've hosted my own conferences. I love going to conferences and events. And people used to interview, interview me just on how to get the most out of conferences because I've gone to so many. And one thing I always really think about, I say to people is like, yeah, go to a conference because of the speakers. 
And I think people do initially buy tickets because of the speakers they might see. Yep. But the lasting value is in the people you meet. It's in 100%. those relationships that you build. Because first and foremost, most of those speakers, you can probably get their content online. Like you don't have to go to the conference to, to get it, right? You could go to YouTube or read their book or something. Um, but second of all, like that information kind of fades. Like I think about uh, a couple of years ago, Matt, you and I have a mutual friendship uh, with a guy named Bob Gentle in Scotland. I met him at a conference in London five years ago. Wow. I don't remember any of the sessions or speakers from that yes. conference, but I have a group of about five or six really good friends I made from that conference, including Bob, who I talk with still on a regular basis. And so the value from that was completely in making those connections. And uh, just one other note, I don't really wear sparkly outfits. I like to wear nice outfits at conference, but I was at a really huge one. You and I talked about it uh, called Unleash HR in Paris recently. There were thousands of people there and there was one guy wearing this kind of loud yellow suit and the mm -hmm. host mentioned him on stage. He was like, where is that guy in the yellow suit? I've there seen him around. I want to meet that guy. So what I don't know what his goal was for the conference. I didn't get to meet him, but sort of mission accomplished, right? By standing out, yes. he's getting attention. The host wanted to talk to him. Maybe other speakers did too. Who knows like where it might lead to, yes. but there are advantages to that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many advantages to it. Well, going back a little bit to what you mentioned kind of how you started early on when you started podcasting, you were podcasting more in the entrepreneurial space. I think it was called the entrepreneurial think, or entrepreneur think tank or hot seat. Um, yep. And it was very much a, it was, you know, the entrepreneur, the self-development space. When did the shift happen from that into talent development for you? Yeah. So uh, going back in time, um, 2016 is when I, I really like discovered this world of of personal development. I started reading lots of books and listening to podcasts. I had been listening to podcasts for years, but it was maybe more like news and investing and then started getting into a lot more personal development, entrepreneurship. Um, as I was going through my own personal development journey, doing a lot of reading, learning, self-discovery, um, I realized that I had a strong draw towards entrepreneurship. I just felt this like desire to be an entrepreneur. I don't know why there were no entrepreneurs in my family and my parents were teachers. I didn't even know what that was growing up. Right. But then I start listening to this podcast and I'm like, that's what I want. Like I want to run my own business. And so as I was trying to figure that out, I was in a mastermind group uh, created by a guy named Larry Hagner for dads specifically. And he challenged us to do something big in like 90 days. And so I decided to start a podcast. And that podcast, the first podcast was the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, which I started in 2017. It was a way to interview entrepreneurs um, so that I could learn about entrepreneurship to try to figure out how the heck am I going to become an entrepreneur? I was working in consulting at the time. And uh, the next year, I had an opportunity to make a move to becoming more of an independent uh, consultant contractor in that space. And I saw an opportunity to maybe start interviewing people who worked in talent development because those people tended to be my most um, common clients, you know, learning and development, talent mm. development when I was running these leadership development programs. And I had this kind of aha moment. This is sort of like the inside behind the scenes on this, where I was doing this entrepreneur podcast and I was starting to interview these like pretty successful entrepreneurs that I would not normally get a chance to talk to. And I had yeah. this moment where I went to my wife and I was like, man, this is crazy. Like I'm getting to talk to these people. They would not normally give me the time of day. And my wife's a former journalist and she was like, yeah, of course they want the publicity. Like they're going to say yes to come on your show. Yeah. And I was like, oh, 
So this is an interesting way, like avenue to have conversations with people. I wonder if I can do this in talent development. And so one of the goals as I was going out on my own was, A, learn as much as, I, as possible about what's going on in the talent development space, because I didn't know that much. And B, use the podcast as a vehicle to get conversations with people who wouldn't normally talk to me because Matt, you and I are both consultants in the corporate world. We know that our clients are getting tons of cold emails and messages on LinkedIn, like, hey, can we have a meeting? But there's no really compelling reason why. I was yes. like, hey, let's do a podcast interview. And that gets us on Zoom. We can build a relationship. Um, I had no idea where it would go. I started that podcast in uh, the middle of 2018. And that eventually grew so that, you know, I, I did find some clients. I made a lot of friends. I built my network. I learned a ton about talent development. It, it, it turned into a conference that I hosted with my friend Bennett Phillips in uh, January 2020. We built it in 2019. Um, that turned into the membership community that you mentioned. And then we hosted the, I hosted the conference again earlier this year. Uh, it's just turned into a host of, of things that I had no idea were even possible for me. And it all started with that podcast with an idea. And I'll tell you too, like since we're both podcasters, uh, and I'm big on networking and going to different groups. I remember I went into this like really big podcast, this Facebook group for podcasters. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast in like the B2B space to interview corporate people. Do you think people will do that? And I got hardly any responses except from a guy that was like, don't do it. It's not going to work. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I think this will work. Uh, yeah. Five years later, 400 episodes later, like it's it's working very well. And I share that story. I mean, you asked about the story, but you know, for anybody thinking about what's that big thing, that dream that you have, sometimes it just starts with that first step, like starting that first thing and not even knowing where it's going to go, but just like starting to try stuff to do scary things and then building on that, building on that, building on that. And one day it might turn into a book, a conference, like who knows? There's lots of things that come yeah. from it, but you got to take the first step. Yeah, I was just, I was actually just listening to Alex Ramosi's podcast this morning and he mm -hmm. mentioned the exact same thing of like, that's the, the, the thing that makes entrepreneurship hard or business hard is that you just have to do the unknowns. You, you, yeah. you have to do things that you don't know if they're going to pay off. Um, yeah. And that's what's fun yeah, about it. That's what's exciting exactly. about it. That's what we love. Yeah. Right. And that's not, yeah. that's not for everybody. And so, you know, as I was making this move into, you know, I published my book and start teaching people about owning their careers, I share my story, but it's not about teaching people to be entrepreneurs because as you and I know, we've both been in the corporate space. We've been on the other side. I love it. I think you love it, but entrepreneurship is not for everybody. But I yeah. think what everybody does want is to build a career where they feel happy and fulfilled. Like they're using their strengths and they're doing work that they like to do. And so I just want to help more people find that, whether you're an entrepreneur yeah. or you're working for a company, it doesn't matter to me. I just want you to do what you want to do. Yeah. Well, going down that path a little bit, you know, it's, it's so interesting hearing your story because I feel like we have very similar stories. It just took me a lot longer to realize that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but we both kind of got here. How do we here. have similar stories? You're a freaking Air Force pilot trainer. Like I'm just a, you know, a guy I who's fumbling know, around but, on LinkedIn. But exactly what you were just <laughs> saying, it so resonates with me yeah. of this yeah, idea yeah. of wanting, of falling into this personal development space, realizing yeah. that you kind of want something different and really doing yeah. the work to like introspect and think about, okay, like what is a different way to do it? and yeah you know, like you, I've wound up in this talent development space mm. and I'm always struck by 
how much energy there is in the personal development space. Like I've been yeah. to a Tony Robbins conference. I've literally walked across hot coals yes, at a well. conference with thousands of people and there is nothing, and Then, but then you flip it and it's about developing others yeah. and there is rarely that same energy. Mm. Um, where do you, what, what do you think that, because like in, in and even if it's not the individuals, it's just companies don't see it that way. Company organizations yeah. often don't think about talent development the way individuals think about personal development. When in mm. the end, they're 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 kind of reaching for the same goals, don't you think? Like like what what do you how do you see that vast difference in energy? Or maybe maybe you see yeah. something different. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. I I think that it would be interesting to, if we had data to look at people's interests and companies' interests, because I think you're going to see a wide variance and it kind of depends on, you know, your own bias and what mm. you're seeing. You know, when you're in, when you're at UPW, Unleash the Power Within, with, you know, 20,000 people who are like gung-ho listening, you know, and walking across the coals, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I found my people and there's lots of people out there that are in personal development. But you then you come out of it and you look around, and you realize there's actually millions, That's if not billions of people who have never even heard of Tony Robbins That's or think point. that he's just some like infomercial guy and are not into personal development at all. And so there's people on both sides. And I think the people that are even though there's like so many books out there and people making lots of money by catering to the personal development industry, I still think it's it's a small percentage of people that are actively looking to try to do something better with their lives, you know, and like everybody wants their life to improve, but people that are actually willing to take action, to read a book, to yeah. go to a conference, you know, versus the vast majority that are like, I just want to get by, make enough money to, you know, to get paid, to to have a, you know, a decent life and then watch Netflix every night. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, and with companies, I think it's the same kind of thing. It's going to vary by, you know, the leadership, right? And the, the history uh, I'm always amazed when I come across companies that have been around for a long time. And then I speak with somebody who has just moved into a talent development role there. And they're like, yeah, this company has been around for 30 years. They've never invested in talent development before. I'm just getting it started now. I'm like, yeah. that's amazing. Like, how did they survive this long? Which goes to show that like, it's not essential. Like if you're paying people fairly, the work is pretty good. People are excited about it. Like you don't have to necessarily provide development opportunities for them. But I think when companies grow to a certain size, we'll say they're at, you know, three, four, 500 plus employees, uh, you, you kind of get into a new phase of we're not a startup anymore. We've got to keep everybody engaged. And when you look at the data and you talk to people and you listen to interviews, the number one thing that people want now in their careers, especially if you go look at Gen Z, younger millennials, is to know how am I going to grow? in my career. And the number one reason why people leave jobs, according to recent McKinsey studies, is lack of perceived career growth, right? Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to provide development opportunities, but if you're not catering to that, if you're not providing development opportunities to people, then there's a good chance they're going to walk out the door, right? Now, there might be different objectives. If, if you're running an investment bank, you're paying people a ton of money and you're like, look, you work seven days a week and you, we don't provide any development for you, but we pay you a ton of money and that's why you're here. Like, that's cool. As long as everybody understands like what the deal yeah. is. But most people don't want that if, even if given the opportunity. I think people do want the development and growth. I think a lot of companies are really coming on to that. I, I, would, I would bet if we looked at the data, it is trending up towards more, you know, companies investing more in more development, especially leadership development. Um, more of those, what were formerly called soft skills now that we call them power skills. I first heard uh, 
Josh Burson say that at a conference. Um, but companies investing more because they know they have to. If they don't, then people are going to leave and go somewhere else where they can get that development and, and figure out how they can grow. Another note on that, too, is I think a lot of companies are moving towards more of a, a sort of a meritocra meritocracy type you yeah. know, framework, especially in the U.S., where the corporate ladder, the hierarchy is not quite there anymore. It's not as clear like how you move up, move yep. up and how you grow. So people have to find other ways to grow, right? Like some type of development, taking on different projects. I just think that the world of work is changing. And so companies have to adapt to that and have to be willing to invest in development for people. If they don't, then they're risking losing their people. But it's always going to depend on the company and the leadership. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of to how you started that, it really does it's a function of just the rate of change too, I think, where, you know, like you were saying with an individual company, maybe that company is just growing really quickly and that's causing the change and that's when they yeah. really need it. Or, or it could be an external factor where just the industry and the skills required are changing really quickly. And so that's causing the investment. But yeah, I, I definitely take your point that there are, um, there, there's and and kind of on the converse uh, on the alternate side of what you were mentioning, there have always been those organizations out there that are very invested very early at in in learning and development and are extremely passionate about it. So I would say just kind of like this talent develop or just like the personal development side of things, where there's times of concentration and then overall not as much. Um, definitely seems like I, I can see your point that is probably very similar in the in the corporate world. Um, yeah. and you, and, and you see this firsthand cause you're going into a lot of these organizations and helping with this, with this talent development. Um, yeah. when you're, you know, and you focus on individuals and what they can do and what, how they can take charge of their life. Do you ever talk about, or how, how do you think about the balance between what an individual can do and what an organization can do or what the structure needs to do for an individual. Cause like you were just saying, you yeah. know, people will leave if they can't find those growth opportunities. And sometimes no matter how much they want it, the, yeah. the organization isn't going to do it. How, how do you talk about That's that right. when you're talking to people about developing themselves? Yeah. I mean, people talk about it being kind of like a two way street. Uh, you know, there's a lot of companies out there uh, I, it's worked out well for me. I published a book called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And a lot of companies are saying we want our employees to own their careers, right? But yeah. that doesn't mean that it's all on them because there's just as much responsibility on the organization. I think of successful career development now as having three distinct pillars. The first is the organization providing the tools and the pathways uh, for people to be able to move up and around and do different things, whether that's providing learning opportunities, maybe they invest in LinkedIn learning or Udemy, or they bring in a consultant like you to design a really cool learning course, right, to, to develop their people. Those development opportunities are there. There's promotions, that sort of thing. Um, the second column or uh, pillar is leaders providing coaching and guidance for people because, uh, like I always say, like I, I work with a lot of people in corporate. I want people to own their careers, but you, you can't work very far without support from a manager, right? It's just the way it works in the in the corporate world. So we need our leaders to provide that coaching and guidance and really to focus on enabling and empowering their people to succeed. That's my philosophy on leadership, working on another book on that right now. Um, and then the third pillar is people, employees actually taking ownership of their own careers, right? So taking full responsibility um, being more intentional about what they want to do, where they want to go, and maybe being more proactive as well about having a conversation with their manager to say, you know, hey, Matt, uh, I love the work we're doing. I'd like to talk about where I can go in my career from here. And what I'm finding and hearing is that a lot of organizations feel frustrated because they feel like, oh, 
we actually invested in creating all these opportunities, but people are not really taking advantage of them. They don't know about hmm. them and they're still leaving. And on the way out, they're saying exactly what the McKinsey study shows that, well, I'm leaving because I didn't really see any like career growth opportunities for me. And they're like, wait a minute, there are opportunities here for wait. you. You're just not taking advantage of them. And so that's where I think companies are doing things in the right way, where they're, they're starting by providing the opportunities and then saying, okay, but you have to own your career. You have to figure out what you like. We don't want to tell you what to do with your career. You need to figure that out for yourself. And so for anybody listening, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're an employee, you want to start with what is it that, you know, who am I and where do I want to go in my career? And can I start designing and developing a career based on that and take full responsibility, like acknowledge like, yeah, you're going to need help from other people, but ultimately it belongs to you. Nobody cares more about your career than you do. So you've got to be the one to own it. And that's the message I'm trying to get out to employees while at the same time, encouraging organizations like you work with as well, Matt, to be like, okay, and you need to make sure that those opportunities are there for them and you're creating the right culture. The managers are, you know, coaching them and providing the opportunities as well. Um, but you know, the foundation I think is in employees owning their careers. Yeah. What, what do you see as, do you see a common reason for that, that disconnect that you mentioned between when, when companies are putting something forward and the employees just aren't taking advantage of it? What causes that? Yeah. So the challenges are, I would say three main challenges there. Number one is that, uh, there's lack of awareness overall of what, uh, you know, what exists out there. So maybe a company, uh, invests in creating a talent marketplace, they invest in technology and they've got this great platform. You can go on and find any kind of job and it tells you the pathway, like uses AI. There's a lot of platforms out there that do this stuff now. But nobody logs onto it. Nobody knows about it. They don't yeah. use it, right? Yeah. And so, and there, and and people don't really think about that as a possibility. The second challenge is, uh, you know, going back to the pillars, like the managers, not uh, supporting their people in that because the culture states, you know, is like hold on to your best people so you don't lose them, right? Which is you mm -hmm. and I know not the right way to manage, but it's the way a lot of no. people manage. You're like, I've got good yes. people. I've got a job to get done. I don't want to tell them about other jobs that might be available mm -hmm. inside this company. So you really got to help your managers understand that like, look, these people that don't belong to you, you can't keep them forever. You wouldn't want anybody holding you back in your career. So you, you want to focus on developing people and it's going to work out for you in the long run because you'll be known as a great leader and more people want to work for you. And then the third one is, you know, the employees are just not looking up and saying, Hey, I got to figure out what I want to do. And people are drifting, right? They're waiting for other people to tell them what to do or where to go, whether it's their manager, their parents, whoever else. And people need to wake up for lack of a better word and take more ownership and say, okay, I want to get into marketing. I want to get into sales. Let me reach out to some people. Let me talk to my manager and figure out what it is. And then if I could add like one more sort of challenge that's related to that, which is fear, you know, it's, I have this dream that I want to do something, but I'm afraid that I might fail or I'm going to tell my manager and he or she is going to laugh at me or tell me like, no, get back to work, which the exact, that exact thing happened to me in my career. It's one of the best things that ever happened to me, but it hurt in the moment, right? I was working for a big company. I discovered I was doing a job that didn't really fit my strengths very well. I went to my manager one day. We didn't have the best relationship anyway. I went to my manager one day and we was like an analytical job. And I'm starting to realize like, oh, I'm a people person. Like I like getting up on you know stages in front of people. And I, you know, I said to him one day, like, hey, I think it might be might be better suited for us both if I could spend more time in the field working with, you know, agents and salespeople. 
And um, he basically said, no, get back to your job is this, get back to work, right? Mm. And that was 15 years ago. I said it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because in that moment, I realized this is not the place for me. I need to move on. And that led yep. me you know, eventually to where I am today. And I absolutely love where I am today. But I always tell that story because if he had been like, you know what, you're right. Let's build a career around your strengths and let's keep doing that. I might still be at that company today, right? 15 years yep. later, you never know. And so I think people are scared because there is a risk that someone's going to shut you down and be like, no. But you also have to realize that that's not the worst thing in the world. In fact, it might point you in a different direction that gets you to an even better place. And you just don't know until you have that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. On that second one or the third one where, you know, people are looking, aren't, aren't, aren't taking charge, kind of the exact thing that you're trying to, to change them from. Yeah. Are you seeing that change at all? Cause I could imagine, you know, when I think back to when I was growing up, so certainly, you know, people my age and then definitely people older, there was this sense, there was a very real sense of getting on a path, right? You know, it's yeah. like you do well in high school, so you can get into college, you do well in college, yeah. so you get a good job, you get a good job, you know, and yeah. it was just like this idea of there was a train that was moving and you got on and then it took you places. And yeah. I feel like for, because of everything that's happened really since like 2007, there, there's much less belief in, in that. And so I mm -hmm. wonder as younger people are coming up, yeah. Are they, is there more of a feeling that you've noticed that, oh no, this is something that I need to do? Um, I don't know. Have you, have you seen that at all? Well, I think it's, I think it's a more of an awareness of how many different opportunities are out there. Right. You look oh, at, you know, where, where, you know, for our parents, like you pick a career and you stick with that because a, like you, I don't know what else I'm going to do and B like, it looks bad if I'm jumping around going places. Right. Yep. You look at where we are in the world today and people have a lot more awareness of what is possible. The rate of people, you know, going to college or feeling like they absolutely have to have a college degree is going down because there are other things and I'm not poo-pooing college, but there's other things you can do, right? You could become a master programmer going on YouTube and watching people every day yeah. and then going in a job, making yeah. really good money doing computer programming, trade schools and stuff. That's getting a lot more publicity. Um, there are people, you go on social media and you see people starting businesses, doing all kinds of things, you know, influencer, that's a real career. You and I had a conversation about that the other day with our group. And so I think people are seeing all these other possibilities at the same time. Uh, I think they're seeing less loyalty from organizations towards employees and there's less loyalty both ways. Right. Yep. And, and so, and there's more of a drive towards, if you look at the, the data and read about like kind of what G, what Gen Z wants. Um, I think there's more of a movement and a drive towards purpose. And like, I want to do something that aligns with my purpose, or I want to be in, involved in something that has a purpose, or I'm part of something that's bigger than what I'm doing. And I think that also causes people to think about, well, what am I doing? And do I enjoy what I'm doing? And if I don't do enjoy what I'm doing, maybe there's something else I could be doing, because I know there's a lot of other options out there. All I have to do is go on LinkedIn or call a friend. You know, it's it's easier than ever. I wrote in my book, and some people actually got a little bit miffed about this, I think. I said, it's easier than ever to find a new job and do something different. It doesn't mean that it's easy for you in this circumstance at this moment, yes. but it's never been easier to find out what's available out there and go apply for a different job or see yes. what's possible for you. And so I think it's awareness is opening up. That, But that said, it doesn't change the fact that a lot of people are still sitting around waiting for someone to bring something to them, whether that's cultural or it's just sort of like innate in them that they're like, well, 
I'm not, I'm afraid to kind of go after what I want because what if I get shut down or rejected or that doesn't exactly exist. And so I still think, I still see a huge opportunity in what I'm doing to speak to more people and, and teach and inspire more people to take ownership so that they start going after those things that they want. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think to your point, it's more important than ever to be doing exactly what you're doing of, of spreading this yeah. message of just how many possibilities there are out there, what you can do if you are deliberate and kind of take charge of, of your life, own, own your career, own your life. Yeah. Like you. And by the way, <laughs> yeah, it, it, for anybody listening to this, like sometimes it's just simple as like, tell somebody else what's on your mind, what you're thinking about doing mm -hmm. with your career, get some feedback. Somebody might be able to support you. One thing I've learned over the years is like, nobody can help you if you don't tell them what you want. And so like mm -hmm. I run a program based on my book, a cohort program, uh, you and I were talking about it before, and I'm running a cohort through it right now. And the first week, this woman said, well, I work in, I don't remember what she's in, like some type of project management in a software company, but she's like, I'm really passionate about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'd love to work in that field one day. And I said, I have a ton of contacts in DEI. I'll make an intro for you if you want. She was like, oh my God, that'd be great. I just made an intro last night to a guy I know who's been, who made a similar move, by the way, military guy. Uh, who moved into, I think Navy, uh, moved into DEI in a corporate and then later into DEI because he was passionate about it. And uh, I'm like, this is a, I just had it in my head right away. This would be a good person to talk to. I never in a million years would make that intro if she didn't bring that up, right? And say what's yeah. on her mind, like speak into existence what she's interested in doing. That's how people help you when you are willing to be vulnerable and tell them, you know, what your dream is. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, on that note, as we kind of, you know, in the spirit of helping people find their new, this new passion or find some new way to get through, um, get, get a, in a new direction in their life. Um, as you can tell, books have been a big help for me personally in, in doing, in doing that and find that new direction. And then it sounds like, you know, podcasts also were, were a big part for you. So, is there one book or podcast that somebody should read or listen to and why? Uh, there's so many. And uh, I, I really do think it depends on the goals. Uh, and I'll exclude my own. I obviously have a book and two podcasts, uh, which you can go look up, of course. Um, but I would say like from my perspective, um, two that have been really helpful for me on the book side uh, that have really, I think, changed my life. One is the Daily Stoic, which is, uh, you know, daily Stoic quotes from, you know, Stoic philosophy from Ryan Holiday. I read that every single day. Uh, it's essentially my Bible. I think study, sto studying Stoicism, for some people, if you're a Christian, like studying the Bible is equally as helpful, but studying Stoicism has made a profound impact on my life in terms of like my approach to mindset and like how I think about things and um, approach life. And then related to that, I would also suggest the book Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Dr. Carol Dweck, Stanford yes. professor. Um, reading that book absolutely changed my life. And I think it's important to read just to really reflect on the way you're approaching life, your mindset towards things. I realized when I read that in 2016 that I had grown up with a very fixed mindset. And mm. as Dr. Dweck posited in the book, people with a fixed mindset believe that you're either good or something you're not. And people with a fixed mindset tend to shy away from challenging situations because they're afraid mm -hmm. of failure. And that was me. I quit playing baseball when I was 15 um, because I was afraid I'd to go out for the high school baseball team because I didn't think I was going to make it. Like I hmm. look back at that today and I'm like, why? Why wouldn't I just give myself what? a chance? Like let the coach tell me I'm not good enough. Like how stupid yeah. is that? But that's the way I thought when I was 15 yeah. years old. 
And now since reading that book, I'm like, whatever's on my mind that I want to do, I'm going to go try it. I'll start a podcast, start a conference, you know, publish a book, start a membership community. Like who cares? And like, if it fails, like, you know, it's not that bad. I learned something from, and I get to go do something else. And what I've learned is like, people are not, our biggest fear is that we're going to fail at something. We're afraid of failure because we're afraid that people are going to judge us or laugh at us. And that doesn't yeah. usually happen. And if people are doing that, they're not your friends. They're not the people that you want in your circle anyway. Right. Yes. And so those are the two books I'd mentioned that like along those lines, I'm a huge fan, like from a podcast perspective, anything Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, I think he speaks Great. to a lot of the things we're talking about naturally. And he's just, when you really dig into his content, it's just so encouraging on um, curiosity, growth, mindset, kindness, empathy, like all the things that I stand for as well. Uh, just a big, big fan of his. Yeah, no, I as well. Great, great stuff. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the number one lesson that I took from what you were just saying is don't self-eliminate. Like, yeah, just, that's the, yeah, that, don't that's take yourself out of the game way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Okay. So for, for you, we've, we've probably touched on, maybe you've mentioned this already, but for you, when mm. you think back on your life, what's the one skill that has helped you be the most successful? Uh, I would say number one is curiosity. And number two is empathy. And they, 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 they go together, but curiosity really to look at every situation and be like, I'm curious about that. I want to learn more about that. And, you know, try not to write things off or judge right away. I think the curiosity in general is the number one skill that is useful for anybody in any career role, whatever it is. And then for me specifically, I think empathy or EQ has been like the engine that has allowed me to build such a big network and so many great relationships with people just by caring about other people and sort of like, you know, stepping in their shoes and just like thinking about what it's like to be them and just connecting with people um, has been just incredibly helpful for me. Awesome. Excellent. And then final question for you is, you know, you're someone who goes out and works with a lot of organizations. You've seen the inside of a lot of different organizations. What do you see as the most common opportunity for organizations to improve their talent development practices? Oh, man, you're in with a tough one here. Um, <laughs> the, the biggest, most common opportunity for organizations to improve. I think it's I would it's simple, but I would say one, a commitment to investing in development of people, even in you know the hard times. And we see a lot of organizations do that, some that are not. Um, and then two, really go out and get to know people and what they want, where they want to grow, what they want to develop in, what skills you're going to need in the future and start to build towards that instead of just doing whatever everybody else is doing. But like, mm. you know, get curious about what people really want, what's going to be beneficial to them. Um, and this is like the best talent development professionals that you and I know when I ask them about like what's really allowed them to be successful in their roles. They usually tell me some type of story about how they, before they dove in and started building stuff, they'd go out on a listening tour, interviewing people, asking lots of questions to find out, okay, what is the true need here? What's going to give me my biggest bang for my buck for my first project, you know, really prove myself to the leadership team. And so I would say willing to invest and then like find out what people really want and what they need and, and what's going to move the proverbial needle, as they say. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. I think that's listening is a big thing that more of us, including myself need, need to do for sure. So I think, yeah, <laughs> always all of us. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Andy, it has been so great having you on today. Um, for all the listeners, if you're not following Andy, make sure to follow. I'll give links to everything in, in the show notes, links to the podcast, links to LinkedIn, any, anywhere else in particular that you would want people to reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you. Uh, well, I'm all over the place. You know, my, my website is andystorch.com. Sort of everything is on there. But I also have some free bonus resources. If you don't want to go buy the book on Amazon uh, or listen to the podcast, I have a, a, like a summary of the five steps to owning your career, as well as uh, some other resources like my morning routine and the top five most common career mistakes. Um, that's if you go to andystorch.com slash bonus. You put in your email, you can download all that stuff and you get the summary of it all. You don't even have to do hardly any other work. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here today. We really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you liked the discussion, make sure to hit like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. As a reminder, if your team is struggling keeping up with the training development demands of your organization, we want to help. Better Everyday Studios is a full-service instructional design team that can help you with everything from ideation to actual content creation and delivery. Please reach out to us using the link in the episode notes below. Have a great day.